Hey, thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 1 Samuel. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study. Sowing and reaping is a spiritual law that's in place. It's in motion, and none of us can escape it. What you sow is what you reap. You know, you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. You sow the things of the Spirit, you're going to reap the spiritual benefits. It's just a spiritual law. It's in motion. There's nothing we can do to stop that. Therefore, it's very important how we live our lives and the things we agree to or don't agree to. David's made some really big arrangements, hasn't he, with the wrong team. That's going to come around sooner or later, and we're right there right now. He's made this arrangement. He's been working this out. It's been going pretty good, but now it happened in those days, in verse 1 of of chapter 28, in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight with Israel. Therein lies a big problem, because sooner or later, the enemy's going to want you going to give you what you want, but sooner or later, the deal's going to be that you've got to go against your own or go against God. That, that's, that's the way it's always going to go. He's going to be your buddy. He's going to be your pal, but not really. He's a liar. He wants to rob, kill, and destroy. The enemy always wants to do that. It can all seem good. Oh, just, it's just a little bit. It's just one, it's just one night. It's just one thing. It's just this. It's just that. It's not that big a deal. It's all of this coaxing to get us to think whatever that might be, but guaranteed there'll be a price to pay. Guaranteed there'll be a price to pay. Always, always, always. And the deal's coming down right now. Check this out. Happened that they're going to go against the nation Israel. And Achish says to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle you and your men. Dude, you don't think you're hanging back here, do you? You don't think you're going to kick it in Ziklag when we're going to go out. You, you don't think that's going to go down. You and all your men are going with us and we're going against Israel. You decide to pull back from the Lord, whatever that means. You, you as an individual decide, I'm just gonna kind of pull back from the things of God. Now, all of a sudden, you know this other guy, you used to hang out with him, you used to go to church with him, you used to be around him, and he works where you work. And all of a sudden, people start coming down on this guy real hard, and you know the guy's getting framed. You know he's not really done any of the things that these people are saying. You know that's not true. But you don't have it in you to stand up with them anymore because you're on the wrong team and the enemy's gonna keep pushing you, keep pushing you. See if, if, and, and it'll cost you your job. It's gonna cost you your job to stand up for righteousness now. But the enemy's gonna try and get you to say, no, no, I'm, I'm staying out of this one. This one doesn't involve me. That's his problem. But you know the truth and you don't have it in you anymore because you're not flying right. That might not have ever happened except for it's happened now because you've turned the eye and the way from the Lord and you've left that person 
to deal with that. And if you step in and do what you know is right, it's that kind of, I'm kind of trying to spin it into something that we would understand that where we live, what could happen. And you're not willing to stand up for it anymore because you're not really walking with him. This is where David's at. It's that kind of intensity. It's that kind of situation. What am I gonna do? Now the enemy wants me to go fight against my own people. What do I do? He thinks I've been doing that. He's been lying. You see what I'm saying? David's created this whole nightmare for himself. He's gone and done something that he shouldn't have ever gone to 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 begin with. So the enemy, no doubt, will always ask you or ask me to do the same thing. Ultimately, okay. In the first century church, it was this. Caesar is Lord. You have to denounce Jesus Christ and say, Caesar is Lord, or see those, that, see that, those lions running around out in that ring? You're going in with them. It's that kind of thing. Now what do you do? We think, we'd like to think we'll go in with the lions. We'd like to think that. But instead they decide, no, you know what? We're gonna throw your wife in first. But we won't throw your wife in if you'll denounce the Lord, you see, and say Caesar is Lord. See, the game, the stakes get high. Satan plays for keeps. Are you kidding me? Satan wants your soul and he doesn't care. But man, he makes it seem real palatable to all of us. And don't think we're all high and mighty here because we showed up on a Wednesday night. Praise God. But don't think we're any more righteous than anybody else because I'm telling you, Satan knows just how to twist your your deal and get your dial dialed right in on his frequency. He knows we have to be guarded. We have to be going his direction, the Lord's direction, so that we're sure 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 that no matter what comes up, man, I'm staying with the Lord, period. I'm engaged in the right battle. But see, David's just, he's in this tough spot. David says to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. He says, you know, you know where I've been going. You know, you know what's been going on. You can imagine, he's got to be spinning out. He's got to be freaked out about this situation. And therefore, this is what Achish says to David. Therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Basically, he says, you know what, as a matter of fact, you're not only going, you're going to stand right next to me and you're going to be my bodyguard. Satan plays for keeps. But there's something that's very intriguing to me that I want to spend a little bit of time on that I think is worth us spending a little bit of time on. Because it's not so much the situation, I think, for us tonight. We find ourselves in situations every day. All all of us do. It's not so much the situation. It's how did we get in the situation? And that's what I really want to spend a little bit of time. Because there's, there's something going on that gets me, that gets you, that gets us in sometimes the situations we get into. And I think we're going to find some wonderful truths. Some things that will really help us today, tomorrow, and the next day. How did he get into this situation? As I observe all of this chapter, I just kind of look at, and this is my, you know, 30,000 foot view, just looking at the chapter and kind of seeing what's going on. There's a lot of good activity that David's doing. Even though he's kind of doing reconnaissance missions, you know, undercover missions, he's destroying kind of the enemy and he's kind of doing these cool things. And it's this activity seemingly is really good, though it's not just because there's all this activity doesn't necessarily really mean it's God activity doesn't really mean that it's the Lord that's leading him to do all of it, you see? 
There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of things that you and I can get busy doing that seem really good. The thing that's interesting, it doesn't mean because there's all this activity that it's necessarily spiritually motivated or God-driven. Actually, sometimes a lot of activity like that can be really just like what we see here. You know David knows that he's not supposed to be where he is. You know David knows that. He's not supposed to be where he is. He's hanging out with the wrong team. He's gone hanging out with the enemy. He knows he's not supposed to be there. And this is what happens. Sometimes there's a lot of activity to seem spiritual that covers up carnality. David knows he's in this 50-50 spot. He knows, because carnal, the three types of believers that we've, types of people, we won't say all believers, three types of people that we find in 1 Corinthians, we find this clearly laid out for us by Paul the Apostle. There's the spiritual person, the person that's born again, regenerated, and following God, okay? Spiritual man, boom. Now then we have, on the flip side of that, the converse side, the flip over here, is you have the natural man, the guy that, doesn't really follow God, doesn't know God, has nothing really to do with God. That's the natural man. That's unregenerate, never walked with God. But then there's this third group right here, and it's the carnal person, the carnal believer it's referred to. They know God, but they're living in Gath. You get it now? They know God, but they're living in Gath. They know God, but they're not really following his ways. They know God. They've made a commitment at some point in time to God, but they're not really walking with God. They're not really walking in God's ways. They're somehow kind of, we would say lukewarm maybe, right? We would say that. We would say maybe they're riding the fence. We would use a lot of different terms, but really the Bible calls them carnal believers. They know about God, but they're not really walking in God's ways. It's laced with tremendous hypocrisy. It's a mess, no doubt about it. David, he's in that kind of a spot. Our hero, we hate to see him in this spot, but it happens. But how did he get there? He's got all this activity that makes him look like he's doing something good, but it's really kind of just a cover-up because he knows he's not supposed to be there. And so he's trying to look more spiritual. Think about what, what, what sometimes the church, if you're willing, or those who would profess Christianity or those, we're supposedly a Christian nation or people that would look in and, and, and go to churches all over the country. How many of them are actually even opening their Bible much? How many of them bring a Bible around with them? How many of them are familiar with their Bible at all? And it is God's word. And yet there's not even a familiarity with it. And some of us that grew up around some of that, these people were supposed to be telling us something and they didn't even tell us anything about it. As a matter of fact, they somewhat hold it back from us. Some of you know, you've grown up in different organizations where they're supposedly, it's a Christian thing, but they hold back God's word from the regular person. What's going on? having a form of godliness, yet denying its power. All this activity that seems to be spiritual and it's good and it's good, good humanitarian care and all these things that seem good, but is it really God motivated? Is it really a work of God's spirit? Is God even really a part of any of it? So we look at that, we see all this activity that he's been doing, but it might very well be just a compensation or an overcompensation to cover the carnality that's within him. 
This other thought kind of comes in from this overview perspective is this successes that he seems to be having. From a worldly perspective, it seems to be he's, he's gaining success. He's kind of at peace now for 16 months anyway. It's kind of gone pretty okay. He's been raiding these camps, but it doesn't mean that God's in it or God's leading or that this is God's will at all. Now, as we go back to what in the world got him into this, we have to go to verse one. Verse one lays it all out for us. David's had this radical victory, radical victory. I would even say somewhat mountaintop-ish. You know, he didn't lop off Saul's head when he could have. He's had this great victory. You and I might experience a victory now and again. And you feel, man, this was good. Made a good spiritual decision. I'm flying right. Thank God that one went well. You know, that's usually the way I feel. And, you know, you, you can be kind of spiritually supercharged by that. And even Saul himself is saying, hey, you know, God's with you, <laughs> you know, you're, you're gonna be okay. God has always protected David. Think about all the times it's gone. He's been trapped in places where the enemy, you know, the enemy surrounded him and all of a sudden they've turned and gone some other direction and he's just been, you, we can all think of things that God, how God's just protection has been awesome. God has always protected him. And so David could look back and look over the past and say, you know what? God has been with me. God has protected me. God has been with me. God has been a present help in time of need. He's always been there for me. He's taken care of me. He can look over, just do a quick review in his life and say, well, gosh, you know, all the spears that were thrown at me, I'm still alive. All the situations I've been, I'm still alive. God seems to be with me. Not only that, not only that, not only that, that that's a good thing to be able to look back and say, God's been with me. Not only that, but to think about this, God gave David his word. God anointed him king. Has he ruled and reigned yet? Is God done with him then? God gave him his word. God has given you a word. God has said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Matter of fact, that's a very bold word that we should read just for just a moment out of, uh, I love this particular portion of scripture out of Hebrews chapter 13. In verse five, it says, Hebrews 13, verse five, let your conduct be without covetousness, wanting more of what you already have enough of. <laughs> covetousness, wanting more of what you already have enough of. Be content, he then says, with such things as you have. Fair enough. In other words, God knows your circumstances. God knows my circumstances. God knows what you need. God knows what's happening in your, in your life. So just accept that God knows and that God will, is aware of it. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. In other words, God knows what's happening. God hasn't left you. Isn't that sometimes the way we feel when we're having this deep struggle, we're having this hard time, we're having this, this big issue that we think is this mountain situation. I don't know how I'm gonna get through this. I don't know how I'm gonna handle this situation. What am I gonna do? But we think God's gone. Where are you, God? Why did you leave me in this situation? But he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because 
he has said that. We may boldly say in verse six, the Lord is my helper, helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? God has said something to you and to me. Therefore, we can say something. That is truly, if you're ever wondering about a word of faith, like we hear these you know, preachers talking on to you, a word of faith, you know, and that kind of thing going on. There is such thing as a true word of faith. And there it is, where you and I can speak that out boldly and say, you know what? God said he would never leave me nor forsake me. So I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord will do the work. I will not fear. What can man do to me? We can have, in other words, because God said something, we can stand on that word and say something in response back. We can stand on that same truth. Okay, this is the thought here with David. God has always taken care of him and God has given him his word. And I've just given you a word that God's given to each of us as followers of Jesus Christ, that he said he will never leave you nor forsake you. And you can have a word of faith boldly stated, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. What can man do to me? That, that's our word of faith boldly. And I believe I say it. I just go ahead and say it. I think speaking it out, there's some good things for us to do. It's a good exercise to just say that in the cab of your car or your truck or, you know, out walking your dog or something. You just speak these things out. So God has always protected him. God has given him his word. He's called him. He's anointed him. All of those things are true, aren't they? But will you look at verse one with me? Will you look at chapter 27, verse one with me just for a quick moment? Because there's something here that happened. David is this wonderful guy that has this wonderful relationship with the Lord. And generally it goes pretty well, but something happened. Something serious has happened in this situation. Somehow there's been a little bit of a lapse. Somehow he's just slipped out. Maybe he lost a, 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 his guard on something, or maybe he was just so confident from how things had gone recently. We don't know for sure, but read with me that first part. And David said in his heart. This is very interesting. This said in his heart. In the original language, it's very interesting what really is implied there. And it's that he basically spoke with himself or just was interacting with himself about it, about what had happened. Now, I understand, just as a quick observation, David is just a guy just like any other guy. I, I understand that he's a, a, a certainly a, the, a man after God's own heart, we know, and, and he's got some wonderful, great character qualities. He's got some kind of big issues, uh, as we see as we go through the word. But he is just a person who is wrought uh, with the potential of failure just like anybody else. That's us, anybody. That's just a clear observation that we would make. The other observation that we would make is that certainly after a victory, and he had wrought, had a great victory come his way, a mountaintop type experience, you and I know that valleys are the next thing that come. The mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys. The thing that you gotta know, I've done a lot of hiking, done a lot of backpacking, climbed a lot of mountains, literally, seriously. And I am telling you, I have seen no trees at the top of any mountains of any height, okay? You get about 7,500, 
still some pine trees. All of a sudden you start hitting only Manzanita, about 8,000, 8,500, you're done. It's just, it's desolate. There's just nothing. You don't even find weeds really. And they're on up, up to 14,000 something. It's just, there's just nothing, there's nothing there. The thing that's interesting though, in the valleys, we have the mountains, but what's coming in the valleys, but what, the valleys grows fruit. Things grow in the valley. You're gonna grow, I'm gonna grow in the valley. But we gotta be assured that when there's a mountaintop, be prepared, there's something coming after it. You know, the enemy's always waiting for you to come off the mountaintop, always. Wanting to bring this distractive things going on. This has been a long haul of a trial. We touched base on that. This has been a long go. I've had some trials of the last a few years. Some maybe longer, just lingering things, but I've had some like really heavy, serious trials that have lasted a few years. It's, it, for me, that was a long time. Maybe some of you guys have a long, uh, praise the Lord, God sustains us. But man, I've had some real intense ones that lasted for a few years. And, and it was, it's, it's a lot, it, it can really grind you down. You know, it, it can be very wearing. It can be very just spiritually strenuous on us. He's been in that kind of a situation. And you know what I want and what you want when you're in that spot? We want to be relieved from that pressure that goes with that kind of trial and grinding and, you know, stuff that happens in those times. You know, you just want relief. We want to be relieved from that. This can lead to some poor decisions possibly from time to time because that situation can certainly lead us to take it into the matter into our own hands and just kind of take a break. None of these people around here really appreciate or understand what I'm going through anyway. So, who needs it? Matter of fact, who needs anything? You don't wake up just one day thinking that way. It's a process. But I'm telling you, it starts with that first part of verse one. He said to himself, David may have even pursued fixing up his, his bad reputation that he had had going into this. I'm gonna go back down to Gath and get these guys straightened out. I'm not a madman. <laughs> who knows? Maybe it's trying to fix your own situation, taking matters into your own hands on a multiple of levels. Oh man, we gotta be wise, we gotta be careful. This idea of he said in his heart, or he literally in the original language, it's he talked with or to himself about his situation. What didn't he do initially then? If you're talking with yourself, you really should be talking with God about the situation. Prayer. Talk with God. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. Thanks for listening today. And I know that some of you may have a tug on your heart that the Lord's just kind of speaking to you personally and that you'd like to give your life to Jesus or maybe like to give your life back to Jesus. Well, this is your opportunity. This is your time. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus desires to have fellowship, personal relationship with us. And so he stands at the door of our hearts and knocks 
He loves us. He doesn't force entrance into our lives, but he wants you to open the door and invite him in. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now just to pray a simple prayer of faith. Again, it doesn't matter whether you're driving or you're sitting at home or you're out on a walk with the earbuds in, whatever it might be, but this is your opportunity to give your life and get back to Jesus or give it to Jesus that you might have everlasting life. He wants to spend all eternity with you and he wants you to have life abundant. So if you would just pray this simple prayer with me, Jesus, I want to invite you into my heart to be my personal Lord and Savior. I want to ask that you would forgive me of all of my sin. And I pray, Lord, that you would just take my sin and my old life and just give me a new life in you. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you for the new life that I have in you now. And I just ask that your Holy Spirit would come into my life and fill me to overflowing, that I might accomplish your purpose, Lord, that your will would be done now in and through my life. I give my life to you. I thank you for the new life I have. And I ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains. Jesus, come.